0: Let's get on to the message, but it's great to see you all here and to be a part of it all. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I shared a message. If you were here, it was called, there's going to be a bonfire. And the message was called, there's going to be a bonfire because we needed to get rid of some stuff. And I know on our property, the way we get rid of excess garden waste and rubbish like wood and all that kind of stuff is you can have the biggest pile and you burn that pile of rubbish up and it's just left to nothing. All you have left is a little bit of ash. Just gets rid of the rubbish. And the stuff the rubbish that I spoke about that we needed to get rid of was not stuff that we had to sell on marketplace. It was to get rid of it. It was it was not for someone else to take on our bad temper irritability, we're to get rid of it. So we needed to have a clean up. So First of all, we need to be the assassins, so we needed to kill some stuff. I know it's not the kind of stuff we talk about at church, but this kind of stuff has to be killed, and that was sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like doing whenever you feel like doing it. That's got to be killed off. It's not what we, who we are. It's not what we're to do. The next area was we had to get rid of. This is why we had to have the bonfire, because we had to burn up bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity and dirty talk. That's got to be gone. If we say we're Christian, it's got to go. It's funny how some of those things like to raise its ugly little head and we go, well, that's going to go back on the fire again. And then once everything's cleaned up, we had to replace some things. So we had some old ways of thinking and we now have to replace them with new ways of thinking. And then... The way the scripture in Colossians talked about it Is we had to put on a new wardrobe So I said we have to become a wardrobe stylist And the new clothes we've got to put on And sometimes we don't always feel comfortable in new clothes But they're the labels made by God And that was compassion, kindness, humility Quiet strength, discipline Even tempered, content with second place And love They're the things that we've got to put on We're starting to do we've got a clean pad here, we're starting to do the foundations right now. And then the next thing we said was you've got to be a vocalist. Then you've got to learn to sing your heart out. And in every area of our lives, it's saying in our actions, whatever we do, we need to do it in the name of Jesus. So when you're singing, I don't see someone singing with a grumpy look on their face, unless you're an opera singer. But like, it's you're singing because it makes you happy and you're smiling and you're singing so it says sing your heart out but do it all for our master Jesus and we've got to thank God every step of the way and let the word of God have full run of the house give it plenty of room I've been mulling on that a lot and I'm just going have I made the room have I made the room to let God have the run of the run of the um, run of my life and I know that God has, when we, because things that would once bother me have stopped bothering me. If I gave it time and attention, man, I can make that issue big. And I can justify my bad attitude. I can justify being cross and irritable. But then when I let God have full run of the house, suddenly I go, oh, so you're going to lose your joy over that. Because someone said something that upset you. I'm going to lose my joy. I can't afford to let that rob my joy. I've got too much to do. So are we ready to get into the second part, which is it's time to build. There's a story in the Bible that I love. I can tell you there's actually heaps of stories in the Bible that I love. But this one story that I love, I see parts of this lady in me. I'll take that as a compliment to to me, that this lady... I'm kind of going, oh, I've got a gift of hospitality. I can see that in me. That's the part I'm talking about. So the story comes from Second Kings and it comes from chapter 4 and we're going to be going through a few verses. And the story's known about this couple from Schumann. They're not known by their name. They're known by where they live. Do you know the woman with the issue of blood? We actually sang about her in a song. She's not known by her name. She's known by her condition, and but her condition caused her to reach out in faith to touch the hem of Jesus. Maybe that bottom fringe bit that I remember Claire was talking about to get her to get her healing. And she's known as the woman with the issue of blood. So we're going to talk about the woman from Schumann, and it's a couple because she's got a husband as well, and they are known by where they live. Okay. This lady is full of faith and discernment and she also knows where her help comes from when she's faced with the toughest of situations. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 4 and we are starting at verse 8. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way... He would stop there for something to eat. First of all, I read those couple of verses, yes. I read those couple of verses. Actually, one verse. There's a little bit in one verse. Can you believe the Bible is so full of gems and nuggets and bits of truth? That is so good. Anyways, first of all, she urged him to come. This actually sounds a little bit like a Pauline. Because urging someone is being persistent, It's to persuade someone to do something. So when I'm really happy about something, I want to earnestly ask you guys to grab a tag after church. I'm good for it. Um, So she was earnest about saying to this man of God, come to my house. I want to, you know, make you a meal. And it says that whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Now, it all started with an invitation. Do you know that God gives us the same invitation at the very start? He he invites us to say, welcome me into your heart. But it all starts with an invitation. But this woman was observant to people. She knew that this was a man of God, and she wanted to do something for the man of God. She wanted to make his life a little bit more comfortable, and there's nothing more comfortable than when you're passing through town, and you'd like something good to eat, and Be comfortable. But I know that you wouldn't stop somewhere to eat something if the food was ordinary. And it says, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. So, the first thing I just saw from that one verse is she made herself available. She actually positioned herself to help someone else. In this case, she wanted to, she wasn't she wasn't so, even though it says she was wealthy, she wasn't so unreachable that she wouldn't touch someone. Have you ever seen wealthy people who think they're too cool for school? Like you couldn't kind of, you you feel too embarrassed to even go high. Um, She positioned herself in an unreachable, that she wasn't unreachable. She wasn't so busy that she couldn't stop and she just would do whatever it took. And number two, when it says she was urging him to come to her house, that shows me that she was warm and welcoming. She's going, come on. I'd love to have you. Come over. And I think we need to be that way too. We need to have a warm and welcoming nature that people would want to be with us. Because if she was grumpy, the guy was probably would have said, oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm okay today. I don't need to come and have anything to eat. And if the company and the food was ordinary... I'm sure that man wouldn't have passed by that way every time he went. And the third thing, I want to say this to you, God only wants us to do what we can do. He's not actually asking us to do things that we can't do. You know, she was obviously a good cook. That's why I kind of think of this lady and I like her. If you can cook a meal, make a meal. Um, Use your ability. And that's why at one heart... We ask you to serve in your God shape. So whatever your God shape is, we want you to use it. Now, you might think that you can sing your heart out in the shower, but if you probably can't keep in tune, maybe your God shape isn't joining the music team. But there are other things that you can do. If you are good technical with the computer, we're going to say, why don't you join our music team? If you can put a smile on your face, why don't you join the welcome team? If you're fun to be around, why don't you join the kids' church? Kids' church love good fun, people. But what I'm saying is use your gift in the way that you can use it. You should be able to use it. Now, at our homes, my only disclaimer there, I don't have it written on a piece on the slide, though, is at my home, my gift is not to clean the bathrooms. It's not my gift. But I'm telling you, I like a clean house, so I have to do it. So what I'm saying is, sometimes there's jobs we have to do. Might not necessarily be a gift, but it's just got to be done. Okay, let's go to the next verse. That was a lot in one verse, wasn't it? We've got a lot of few verses to get through. Keep talking, Pauline. Okay, verse nine says, She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, A table, a chair, and a lamp, and then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. What were her words? Let's build him a room. This requires action. Have you ever taken on a building project or maybe a little upgrade in your house? I'm telling you right now, it takes preparation, it takes planning, and it also takes money. And it's, she not only built the room, but she put in it what was needed for the man of God. That, that always blesses me, this verse. I've, I've, I've spoken about it before, but I've seen something new in this verse. So, yeah, the man of God, if he was a pastor, a minister, he needs a bed to sleep on. He needs a table and a chair and a lamp that he can be writing his messages down on. At spring retreat this year, Pastor Shana gave us a message, and she said that God kept telling her she needed to buy a chair. You need to buy a chair. So she was telling her husband, I need to buy a chair. I need to buy a chair. Now, her husband said, was thinking in his head, oh, great, she wants to buy a really fancy $500 chair. The chair she ended up buying was a comfortable chair that she could put in her bedroom, and she said it cost her $180. She put the the chair up. But the purpose of this chair was to... God was calling her to say, Shana, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to have a space that you set away, that you are free from distraction. Because too often, I can only talk for a woman. I'm going to have my quiet time. I know for me, if I don't have my quiet time first thing in the morning, it doesn't happen because we get distracted. And I think I'll get to it at night, but then I get too tired. So have this chair. Because if you're in the kitchen, I'll just quickly wipe down the bench. I'll just quickly vacuum up those crumbs. I'll just quickly do the whole house while I'm at it. That everything wants to distract us from what needs to be done. So she said the chair was that she could prioritise time and a space to have some space with God. Now, when we're talking about she knew that he was a man of God, Surely, we should build him a room. Spiritually, what God wants us to do is to build a room. We need a room that we can go, as Pastor Sharma said, have a chair. I know for me that devotion to God takes time, prayer, reading the word. And we need to make sure that we make room to do this on a daily basis. For me, my quiet time looks like my Bible, my devotion and my journal Um, And that's called building a room So when heartaches and tragedies come, you can take them to the room But without a room being built, you have nowhere to take them That is why this message, God has spoken to me Something fresh for me personally Because without a room, we have nowhere to go We need to build a room so that we can grow and survive. We often spend a lot of time on the physical building. Like, I know how much it costs to save up a deposit for a house, to furnish a house, to keep food on the table. We spend so much time doing that. A lot of our pay goes to doing that, but this morning... I am urging you. You know how that lady urged? I am urging you. I cannot stress enough how important that is for our spiritual life that we put in the effort to build our spiritual room. And you know what? I can tell you right now, none of you would be here this morning if that wasn't your desire. I'm telling you that. I know that. Because our desire is for God. Otherwise, we wouldn't find ourselves here at church at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. So... When, we, when you build a room, you have somewhere to take the brokenness. You have somewhere to take your mess. You have somewhere to take your joy. You have somewhere to go. When you make it a habit to be in God's house, in your disappointment, you have somewhere to go. Do you know what? If something has happened in your lives, I pray that coming to church is a safe place for you to come. Take your hopes to the room take your broken dreams to the room. This lady had a gift of generosity, but generosity and hospitality actually cost you, physically and spiritually. The woman not only used her gift of hospitality and wealth, she also had discernment. She said to her husband, surely this is a holy man. And I was just really challenged. How sensitive are we to those who pass through our home and flow through our lives? Do we? It's really funny because I am a pastor, but when I say we, I have pastors that I need to sow into and honour and look after as well. Do we make the job of our pastor or those who teach and preach God's word a joy or a burden? You know what? Using your gifts won't always happen at the right time sometimes you might be asked to do something and you're like don't they know how much i have to do it's i'm really busy at the moment but can we just remain sensitive and be the reason that someone smiles today be the reason that someone actually wants to come to church today i've seen too many people get upset over really little things that don't matter, but you don't know what the neighbour next to you has been through this week or is currently going through. So can you just be sensitive, be the reason that they want to smile, be the reason that they want to come back into church because I'm needed here. She prepared a room for him to use whenever he came into town. She did this out of kindness and because she sensed, the man had a need, so it was it was for no um, it was n- for no selfish motive, and it was bigger than hospitality. They actually extended their house. they made a room because they could see that there was a need, and she went beyond just being hospitable and making a meal. she said let's build a room and put in it what is needed." I often see, and you know what? Just because of her nature, we can see from two verses, I reckon the bed would have been nice. I reckon the linen would have been nice. I think the table and chairs would have been nice because she would have done things to the best of her ability. I've often seen people, when it comes to church, does the church need a new TV? Oh, well, we'll give you our old one because we're buying a new TV. It doesn't happen so much now. We're buying a new TV for home, but the church can have our old stuff. Or we don't need that at home, but we'll bring that to the church because I'm sure they could use it. We don't want the old stuff. Give us the new stuff. Or if you're buying yourself a new one, go, you know, the church really needs that. We'll buy one for them as well. Because it's, it's hospitality and generosity cost us. So it's not good enough for your house, not good enough for God's house. Verse 11 One day it says Elisha returned to Schumann, and guess where he went? He went up to this upper room to rest. He obviously found that room really helpful, didn't he? Because he, it's saying he's returned now. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shuman, I want to speak to her. So the servant Gehazi saying to the woman of Shuman, um, um, Elisha wants to talk to you. So guess where she goes? When she appeared, so she goes up to the doorway of the room that they had built. Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What else can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king and to the army commander? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. So obviously in those days, if someone with a lot of power went up to a commanding officer and said, look after these people, they're good people, they would listen. But she's saying, I'm okay, I've got everything I need. Her heart, because they were so blessed by her kind actions, but her heart was just, whatever I can do, I want to do it, to the goodness of God. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Now Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Well, clearly the prophet finds one area of lack that this lady does have. And what is it? She doesn't have a son. But then Gehazi adds something extra, says, but he's an old man. And we're all going, tick, 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 tick. maybe you can't have children anymore. I mean, how often are we good at finding ways why things can't happen? We're good for it, aren't we? Sometimes we're, in our prayers, it, we feel like we have to tell God what's going on because he doesn't have all the information yet. He knows all the information and he's a miracle working God. That's what we've got to believe this morning. So it says in verse 15, call her back again. Elisha told Gehazi, when the woman returned, Elisha said to her, notice these words, as she stood in the doorway, the doorway of the room that they built. So she's standing at the doorway Of the room that she's built for this man of God. And now the prophet's saying to her, next time, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. Now the room is speaking into her future. Can you see that? I don't know about you, but when I start seeing this, I get goosebumps. I'm just like, wow, the promise is now making way for someone else. It's making way for the next generation. Now he's saying, you're going to have a baby. He's a generational God. His promise was beyond her. He calls her to the doorway she built. She stood in the doorway, looked into the room that didn't exist until she built it. He called her back to the place that if she hadn't have made a change, it would have been a wall of limitation. There would have been a wall there, but now it has become a place of breakthrough. Are you getting that? It's powerful, isn't it? No, my Lord, she cries. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. She hadn't asked for this. She was content with what God had given her. But she knew if God said it, being the prophet, the man of God, she was going to believe it. But sure enough, the woman became pregnant, even though she had an old husband. And at that time the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. This is an awesome story. We love stories like this. Shall we just leave it there? It's not how the story ends. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father. So now the boy's growing up, because he's obviously helping, helping the dad with the harvest, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he, he cries out, my head hurts, my head hurts. From Bible commentary, It's sort of telling us the boys had a brain aneurysm. And the father said to the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime he died. Her response to this situation is breathtaking. I've read it so many times and I could still cry. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door And left him there. She had to leave her promise on the bed in the room they had built. Are you getting the message? If you haven't built it, where do you go? It wasn't just her son, it was her future. How do you deal with disappointment when they come? How can you get through these moments if you haven't built a room? She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today? He asked. It's neither a new moon festival or a Sabbath, but she said it will be all right. Do you know what? She didn't even state the obvious. Her son has died. Their son has died. And she hasn't said anything. She just knew where she needed to go to get her help. This is the pattern she's already set in her life. She knew who she needed to seek help from. And that's what I'm saying to you about when we build the room. It's the pattern that we already have set. Because I'm telling you, when the disappointments come, you've got no pattern set to know what to to lean on. As a church, we're going to be here. We'll be here to support you and help you. But I'm telling you, it makes it so much easier in your spiritual journey to go through when things are hard, when things haven't turned out. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. So now she's riding on a donkey. Can I have the next slide? Oh, my map didn't work. My map, I had this map. And the map said, it showed this picture from how far Schumann was from Mount Carmel. Because they're going to Mount Carmel. Now, a donkey, I did this research, a donkey can run 24 kilometres an hour. Did you know that? The distance from Schumann to Mount Carmel was 32 kilometres. So in my mass... Pastor Rob saw me working it out. It would take an hour and 20 minutes to go that distance from Schumann to Mount Carmel, on a donkey, running as fast as it could, dust going up. You were a mother. I put myself in that. What would I be doing for an hour and 20 minutes while I'm riding? I'm sure I'd be speaking in tongues. I'm sure I'd be howling. Just let us get to where we need to get, I need help from the man of God. The analogy is we can go to the man of God, but they had to go and get the help. It says, As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. She said to Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shuman is coming. Run out and meet her and ask her, Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman said to Gehazi, everything is fine. When she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Do you know what that is? You don't know, but that's a response of worship. When you get down on the ground and you catch a hold of someone's feet, it's a sign of deep respect. She came desperate, needing a miracle. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in deep trouble, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, Don't deceive me and get my hopes up? The loss of her son undid all the joy she would have felt at that promised birth. And it seemed to make that birth a cruel deception. She said, Don't, didn't I say, Don't deceive me, don't get my hopes up? Her hopes were up, she had had the son. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the boy's face. There was urgency with this mission. He said, Don't stop and talk to anyone. You know, Elisha's rod, staff, didn't have any miracle power. But what it was, it was just a sign to say, The prophet is coming. So he's running on ahead. The prophet's coming. But as the boy's mother said As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live I won't go unless you go with me God responds to invitation That's what I'm saying He's always going to respond to our invitation She wasn't going without the man of God So Elisha returned with her When Elisha arrived The child was indeed dead Laying on the prophet's bed he went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body. This is weird. I don't know. I haven't got the spiritual understanding of why he did this stuff. He, he shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands, and he stretched out on him. The child's body began to grow warm. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room, once and then stretched out on the child again. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. All of this is going on in the room that they built. I'm just going to say we need to build the room. We need to build the room. You know what? When Sometimes when weird things are going on, it's going on behind a clothes store. No one else sees it, no one else knows it. But you know what? There was a war going on. He's praying to God. Elisha's praying to God, going, Heal this boy, heal this boy. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi. Call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. What was her heart response? She falls again in worship. And I want this to be my response always. She took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. She receives her promise again. Today, the most important concept I want us to understand is we need to take time and make time to build a room to spend time in God's presence. We need to use our gifts. We need to use discernment. We need to know who to rely on and where we get our help from. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus says, I'm sending you the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And He is here with us now. And it tells us in John 14, 26, but the Helper will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I've told you. This Helper is the Holy Spirit, Whom the Father has sent in my name. We have the Holy Spirit with us now. It all starts with an invitation. Do you all want to stand with me this morning? That's my invitation. Do you want to stand with me this morning? Maybe we've got people here who have never invited Jesus into their heart, or for some reason things have happened in life and you haven't realised the importance of building a room. And you say, Jesus, I need you to take that rightful place in my heart today. I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with me this morning. And it is the start of a journey. This is what the prayer says. Will you say it with me? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Do you know what this morning if you say it said that prayer today or you haven't said it for a long time I'm going to I'm urging you to come and talk to me. I want to help you on your journey to become spiritually strong or what it looks like to be a Christian today. That's what we call it when you accept Jesus into your heart. But this morning, it would be remiss of me if I didn't make room for prayer. I want to ask you the question, what limitations have you placed on yourself and need breaking through? You might believe, oh, that can happen for other people. I'm letting you know this morning it can happen for you as well. Today I am believing for a fresh impartation of hope in your life. But the real work doesn't start today. It begins when you leave this room and start applying the principles you've learned tomorrow and the day after that. As the music team are going to lead us in a song, if the Holy Spirit has nudged you in any way, let us stand with you and pray with you. The prayer team's here. We want to pray with you. We're going to pray limitation be gone. Whatever breakthrough needs happening, we're going to stand with you and pray and believe. But I'm urging you this morning, if you need prayer, please come and respond.